0: <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Zing This, and I'm Player One Zinger.
1: I'm Player Two Berg, but the E is a 3.
0: Oh, how classy and, and um, and Oasis-y. But we actually have a Player Three on today's episode to talk about Ready Player Two. Ready Player yeah. 2 me?
2: Play, player Three has entered the match.
0: Oh, a, a new challenger has arrived. <laughs>
2: I'm John Justice. Hi, everybody.
0: Hey, welcome back, John. I feel like I've I've talked to you a lot recently, and you know what? I could not be happier.
2: Uh, me as well, man. I like being on this end of things. Yes, I, I like, <laughs> I like being on other shows. I don't have to prep.
0: I I hey, that is me on Knights of Vader every week, except for recently. <laughs> I've had to host, and the pressure is on every time. But um, but no, we we are here to discuss Ready Player Two. The Newest book in the Ready Player series, I
1: guess. I sure, guess or, so for now, yeah, I, yeah. Mean, I guess it makes the series.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it, it makes the series and everything. So, um, this this just came out recently, like very recently, like in November. So, I mean, us being this up to date on a book is amazing.
1: Uh, I usually it's like we'll talk, and like usually now would be when we're talking about Ready Player One.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but we got ahead of the game on that and if I remember correctly, I think this is almost a year later that we cuz I think we talked about Ready Player 1 book and movie about a year ago on Zingness. So It
1: was. It was uh it was toward the end of last year.
0: Yep. So how appropriate. But um but we we of course discussed it there. We had <laughs> our um had our hopes and dreams of Ready Player 2. Of course, John is a author himself and also a big fan of Ready Player One, um, obvious both from him talking about it, and if you um, read his uh, saga of books, uh, the Embark series, so- the Embark saga, Is saga or series, which 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 do you prefer? Because I will just keep um, saying the wrong one.
2: Uh, I guess we're gonna go with saga. I was actually it's funny. I was actually drafting a a, a newsletter, and um, and it's funny you asked that because I actually put in saga in the newsletter, so I suppose it's saga now.
0: All right, in, in in the saga that, that, that you have created, you it, it has been name dropped a few times. So, and and I I would like to say this, you might have called it on your last book, sir. <laughs> you 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 had a line yeah, in there, and I, I think you called it.
2: Yeah, and I wasn't. That wasn't. I mean, I had higher expectations, and when I made the reference in one of my books to the sequel. Um, I didn't mean to be as prophetic as I was. I'm a little disappointed that that turned out to be the case.
0: Yes, in in your um, in the Vanishing War, there is a comment about the sequel not being well. It was the sequel movie, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, I think yeah. I think I went with them. yeah. They were watching the movie version. Yeah. Yes,
0: the sequel movie was not as good as the first one. So. I guess there, there, there's there's still hope out there for maybe you to be wrong on the, on the far side of this, or maybe in, in your universe there was a movie as well. Because I don't know if they've said there's going to be a film adaptation of this or not yet. But anyways, we are here to discuss Ready Player Two, um, Ernest Cline's new book. Is it good? Did we enjoy it? I guess this is the point where we say from here on out, spoiler alert, because who knows where this conversation is going to go. So... I'm 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 ready for this. this. This 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 is something that like I blew through this book in no time on audiobook. So of uh, course, um, read by Will, Will Wheaton. I blew through this whole thing in like under a day, basically in less than 24 hours. And the book's like 12 hours long. So uh, yeah, it was like
1: the day after it came out, and you're like, and I I completely forgot it was coming out. You reminded me. I was like, oh, that's right, that came out yesterday. And you're like, I'm two thirds of the way through my plate. What? <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, but, but kudos to
0: both of you because you did also blow through this pretty quickly. So I take it. It was a page turner for you guys.
1: Eric, I mean, yeah, I was going to say, I, I downloaded it after I talked to you, but that was like right before Thanksgiving. So I was kind of busy. So it was like, it was a week ago. It was last Sunday. I was like, I was like, I'm going to start it. And I mean, it was just, it was very easy to get through. I thought, um, and I mean, I kept wanting to see what was going to happen next. So, um, because you had messaged me just a few just a few days ago, and I was like two thirds of the way through, and you're like, you know, you're gonna be ready for this weekend? Or, we, or is that gonna be too soon? And I was like, ah, I'm not sure. I got a third of the book left, and then like I sat there for like, because like it was like in the evening after work, I just was like, I'm gonna sit down with it, and I was like, oh, I'm. It says I have like, I'm like eighty plus percent of the way through, so yeah, I'll be ready for this weekend. So yeah, I was able to get through it pretty
2: pretty easily. Yeah, I got the. Um, I had a similar experience because uh, uh, Zanger, you <laughs> you had messaged me like. <laughs> Hey, I got it done. I was like, geez, dude, that was fast. Um, <laughs> I got the, uh, I got the hard copy last week on Thursday and, um, it was more a matter of just me not having enough time. I'm currently in the process of writing four books that I'm planning on releasing this year, but I want to get into that right now. Um, so just between that and my full-time job trying to find time to, to read it. And I really wanted to read the hard copy. Um, that being said, I actually went back and forth. I got the audiobook book, and mm. um, I danced between when I had a chance to read the hard copy and then when I was driving back and forth from, from work, um, I read the audiobook, which was actually a unique experience of going back and forth between the two. I'm afraid that it may have had an, an adverse impact <laughs> on my opinion of the book. Um, but yeah, I just wrapped it up uh, yesterday morning, so I finished it yesterday morning.
0: Yes and and I I was I was sitting here hoping. I was like, "Well, I mean, I got another episode we could do, but I mean, if we can get ready player <laughs> ready player 2 out there, that'd be excellent." So so it it was it was great that you guys were able to finish it. Um and and I think we've all been dancing around whether we liked it or not. So I guess you want to rip that band-aid off now on whether we were okay with it or save that to the end cuz I think we'll very quickly reveal Let's our- save
1: it for the end because I feel like because I can't give it a definitive like one or the other, because there are things I like, things I didn't like, and I think that will kind of come out as we discuss. So maybe we give it our ultimate review in the
2: end. Yeah, I'm down with that. I mean, I'll just say up front, I thought it was um, it was a, a big meh. but I'll get further into that later. And you <laughs> know what? Because you know, because that's
1: honestly what I'm saying. Because that, that's where my I kind of averaged out as a big old meh. Cause,
2: yeah, yeah. And we'll get into
1: because there are things I like, things I didn't like. Uh, boy, there were things I didn't like, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well,
2: well, it's it uh, and and I'll be up front too. Um, it, it's difficult for me because this is the first. Um, I write so much and I read so much for my full time job as a as a news talk show host that I don't read a lot of things separately. Um, so this is the first book that I've really gotten into apart from like the rise of Skywalker. You know, in in the course of the past year, and so. My writing, I'm trying to not let the fact that I've been cranking out sci-fi novels affect my view of the book because I'm unfortunately sort of viewing this through the lens of a writer, and I think that might be a little unfair to Ernie Klein, but um, uh, yeah, okay. looking forward to, to, to sort of that
1: kind this. I, I was doing the same thing, honestly, because I do a lot of writing for, for my job, and um, I, was, I felt like I was nitpicking a lot of his yeah, actual writing. Too. We can get
0: into that. <laughs> for for the record, if you read the show notes, you know I do no writing <laughs> at all. So um, so so my opinion is still somewhere in the I I I guess save it for the end, but um, it it, it might be agreeing with you guys on on a few things with this. Like I said, I w- I burned through it, but it was one of those I want to get through this because there was a few things I'm kind of like, okay, what's going on? I I need to know what where where they're going with this because. The book takes a few turns every now and then where you're like, wait, what? And it <laughs> takes one big, gigantic leap at one point, in my opinion, that you really have to be on board for. And if you're not, you're kind of sitting there scratching your head, in my personal opinion. But we'll, we'll get into that. So the, the synopsis, I'm going to be very quick, very easy with the synopsis. Uh, about a week after winning the Oasis, winning, you know, the... the the hunt and everything, getting the Easter egg, being, you know, in charge of everything. Um, our main characters, well, per- specifically, um, Wade Watts comes across a new piece of technology that is, uh, called Oni, which it's mentioned in the book. And I feel this is, um, kind of the drop in street cred on, on knowledge and stuff. And instead of just writing, Oni and having somebody be like oh that's like a Japanese demon thing it's spelled completely Straight out in the book So um, I guess A notch in the negative for me on that one Because I was like I heard it, I was like oh it's a Japanese demon thing and then he explains it and I'm like Ugh Because God forbid you have any foreknowledge Of anything or you know go do some <laughs> Research yourself but um, Basically what this Technology allows you to do is scan Your brain it basically works on like You basically sleep but you're put into, like, a sleep mode, but you're able to interact with the world of the Oasis, and you have all your senses available to you there, but it also scans your brain at the same time, which comes into play later, and people are... Well, Artemis, in particular, is very against this whole thing, and it, like, creates a schism between her and everybody else, basically, and it's, it's like, what, I think five years later or something where the book kind of right. picks up again? Three. Okay, I I could I know it wasn't that long, but it's it's later on. It picks up with um basically everyone's just kind of doing their own thing. Wade's alone and living in a mansion, and basically not much has changed for the character in my opinion from the previous like from what he was doing in the previous book, except for he's rich now, and that doesn't seem to have any bearing on anything aside from I I, I just don't see him being rich. I feel has zero effect on his character in the book, in my opinion. Cause I'm like, it's not, he's not a different character in my opinion. Like being rich hasn't changed him except for he can hand out money to people willy nilly when he feels like it. Right. So I don't know that that's just my opinion on that, but that's basically, well, the-
2: I, I was surprised. I, I guess I forgot that. In the in the first book, and I guess we'll go. And, and I I don't know what can go back and forth between book and movie because I've watched the movie because I really I really liked the movie and I loved the first book, but yeah. reading Ready Player Two, I was reminded at least from from my perspective, um, Wade's not a very likable character, and he is not. Yeah, it didn't, <laughs> and it didn't seem like he it, it, it was weird to me in the beginning, and and again, I don't want to judge. I, I don't want to go the route of uh, personally of. If I had written it, I would have done this because that's just not fair. But like reading when it was first getting first getting into it, I was like, oh, I forgot. Wade's kind of a socket wrench. And he didn't really <laughs> grow that much from book one. At least that was my impression of the first like 100 pages.
0: No, he he very doesn't. And he doesn't make himself likable in his whole back and forth between him and Artemis, too. No, that, that, that you get very quickly shoved into on like. What happened with their relationship and where, where everything went with them at the time that we flash forward to and back to in the book. Um, also, uh, John, I'm just going to say this. I, I, I assume whenever you're writing, you either have a giant quill in your hand or the <laughs> oldest typewriter in existence. And that is the only way that writers write stuff,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah to- totally. If you're talking about my Macs, sure. <laughs> if my Mac is called a quill and it's also a typewriter, then that's-
1: See, I imagine it's a
2: typewriter that actually
1: uses quills. It's like this like <laughs> the feathers just sticking out of it, and they're just <laughs> really quickly.
0: So, uh, no, I, I did did have moments knowing that you were a fan of this. I was wondering where you'd come at this with, and I was hoping, I'm like, oh man, if I can get him on for the discussion, that'd be great. But I was just wondering, because yeah, Wade is not a likable character, nor does he become... I don't know, it's weird, because I'm like, I've never been like... He's a likable character, it's just, he's the person I have to deal with to hear the story. A, he's
1: our avatar for the book.
0: Yeah, but he makes no decisions I'd ever make in my life most it, of the time. It,
1: it, it's the truth. <laughs> <laughs> true. true. very <laughs>
0: true. Um, oh, oh and, and here's the funny thing. So, John, when I messaged you about it, you said you were at the Vonnegut part of the book.
2: Which right. I'm like,
0: the what? Because I c- Okay. Once again, spoiler alert. There is a ship that they are building to basically get away from Earth cuz Earth's basically falling apart and through global warming, wars, stuff like, like stuff that they talk about but you never get a real in-depth of what exactly is going on aside from it's miserable if you're not rich like we are. So yeah. I mean cuz that's basically the most you get in this book. In the other book it explains a little bit more, but so they're building a ship to basically have a self-sustained version of the Oasis and be able to go off into space and not deal with any of the problems on Earth, him and his group of friends and everything. And I complete... Like, that comes up in the book and then is not talked about for two-thirds of it until, like, the very end it's brought up again. So when you said Vonnegut, I was like, what the, what part of the... I'm like, oh, <laughs> right, that... Cause I forgot, there's that little. He explains what it is, goes and takes over one of the robots, walks around it, cause you can do that. Like there, there's a lot of weird stuff with like the whole being able to um, take over the robots and be able to wander around in the real world instead of just getting up yourself and walking around. But I don't know. It's it's the future, right? Well, it
2: yeah. it, it seemed to me like the I I couldn't. And I guess I was okay with it, but with the with the Oni, with the Oni, yeah. You basically you basically just default to Matrix. I mean, it was the Matrix. Yeah, it and was so, absolutely. Which they
0: mention in the book,
2: right? And I haven't quite decided whether or not I I digged that or not. I mean, it's an easy way to advance sort of the technology of the Oasis, and you can easily go and just say, oh, it's like the Matrix. But I I haven't decided whether or not I like the fact that he just. Lifted that directly or not i'm still sort of fifty fifty on that
0: well there's a mention later on when the whole you know the whole thing comes crashing down and there's the whole like you have 24 hours to deal with this situation or, or 12. twelve 12 sorry 12 hours I said 24 and I'm like <laughs> I know that's wrong and I'm going to get called out immediately um, where they make a mention to sort out online because that's like the main premise for I think the first um season of that anime. And I was talking to one of one of um um actually I was talking to Riku about it and he said and he basically straight up said, He's like, Oh, so it's like sorted out online. I'm like, Yes and they even make that reference in the book.
1: They do. Yep.
0: Yeah. So it's just one of those things, it's once again I kind of read these books masochistically because I'm like, oh, I just want to hear how many references they're going to make to pop culture. And not only that, but the references to the previous pop culture mentions in the previous book. But yeah, the, <laughs> the second they go, oh, yeah, it's like the sword, I'm like, oh, there was an audible groan from me because I was like, of course they're going to do that. But I mean, it's so, so basically what happens is Wade has to find these shards. Of the, the, the Siren Shards. And I'm I so glad I said that correctly the first time. Yeah, the Shards. Yeah, I, I was, I was like... I in the book? <laughs> I, and it's something to where he gets kind of revealed this thing after, what, seven... It's, it's some weird arbitrary number logs on using the Oni technology. It's revealed that there's another quest he can go on, but he completely ignores it for the most part. And... It's, it's one of those things I'm like, okay, so what's going to get him to actually do this quest? And then as we find out later, um, James Halliday has a, like, scan of his brain, Anorak, who's floating around still and basically locks down the Oasis for any user using the Oni software and also frees Sorrento for some reason. I never got why Sorrento being free was a thing, aside yeah. from just, oh, no, Sorrento's free because he does basically really nothing except for yeah, be was menacing many
1: wasted opportunities in in the book that was one of many wasted opportunities i was like this is going to go somewhere and when his whole thing was done i was just like i mean he, he does ex machina when he when he yeah. shoots Og uh, as he's being shot but at yeah. the same time it was just like there are so many i feel like there are many more clever ways that could have been done Besides that, like I felt like it could have been anyone, it could have been a new character because I would have loved more new characters. I inside. would have too. Um, but, uh, but it was just like, oh, here's Sorrento. He he's he escapes, he menacingly shows up on the Prince planet, and then, um, and then he's there and accidentally, as he's being killed, shoots Ogden in the stomach. So, which could yeah, have I mean, been,
2: go, yes, yeah, go, Sorrento, go Sorrento was only there to, to deal with that with getting Og. You know, making sure Og was secure and getting him hooked up so that he was was in was you know inside of of the oasis. That was it. And it's weird. I don't I don't know if I if I just wasn't following right because, like, since we're doing spoilers, and I'll try to keep this brief. Um, like I had a I had kind of an issue with turning James Halliday into this bad guy, and I know they kind of remedied that at the end, but. When that moment came, when they arrive at his home and you get the telebots face-to-face with the Hallett, with the Anorak telebot, and then the live Sorrento, for a moment, I got the impression that it was actually Sorrento pulling all the strings. And I was like, I, oh, cool. I thought
1: the same thing, too. Okay. I was like, is this what the, the same thing? Yeah, no, no. I thought the exact same thing. I'm like, now that's a cool twist. And I'm like, nope
2: that that's not it that would have been cool and And i'm very let down right now yeah okay it wasn't just me i'm glad i'm glad that
0: i'm glad i wasn't the only one i I, like I said i was like what was the point of sorrento being i mean aside from the one thing he he literally does of shooting aug he does nothing no except for being menacing and it's like you had so much you could have done with the character or you could have just reading go ahead
1: oh go on sorry no, no. I was just,
0: I was just saying. I was agreeing with you guys. You could have done a new yeah. character. You could have had him do anything else. You could have had it be his thing this whole time that he had been doing something, or like that his coding had 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 disrupted Anorak. I mean, they made it make sense within the book, but I like, I did feel wasted opportunity.
1: I saw. So I, I finished it yesterday afternoon, and then I immediately was like, I want to go see what people are talking about and uh, see what people people's thoughts are. And, I mean, I think everyone's a lot of people are sharing what. We're, we're saying, and what I think we're going to say as this code goes on and what I was feeling, but one person said, you know, they thought the part where Samantha jumped out of the plane um, and he, like, he like so, like, she jumps out of the plane, he starts sending the plane towards her, and then she cuts her chute and then opens her, her secondary one, and then course corrects. He was like, at one point, I thought, and then when it got to the part where Anorak's like, no, I didn't mean for, for Sorrento to be like this, he was like, you know, I really thought it was going to be where um it was um Sorrento who was trying to make the plane crash and the reason it was course cracking was because it was um it was actually Anorak trying to stop him from killing her or whatever. But then he was like he was like, That would have been a cool little twist too, but no, it ended up just being him doubly trying to crash a plane and he did. So another again, another Sorrento thing that was like it, it would could have added a other, another layer to it and then it just didn't pan out.
0: I think we're slowly revealing our opinion on this book as we go. On. I mean, it, it's here. Here's my thing. We're I think we're talking about all the negative first to get it out of our system, but there is a lot of cool stuff in here um, that I'm sure we'll get to eventually. I, I, like I said, I just feel like there's missed opportunities or just stuff that I. And that, this is the other problem with with books and stuff like this is you, you as the reader want the writer to do certain things and they don't, and you're upset with that. And it's like, should you really be? Because I mean. Eh, but I, 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 I'm not trying to try, try trying to put anyone on a pedestal here. But I never sat there reading any audio book,ing any of John's books, going, "Oh, you ruined this character by not having <laughs> it do this." All your well, stuff all made <laughs> made vague enough sense that I was like, "Okay, I'll roll with this." But no the the sirens the Siren Soul thing is it's a cool quest, but it's like unrealistic that they get all this done in twelve hours. Yes. And and it's just this, this whole thing of like I just don't understand like why it had to be like that way or why it had to be I don't know it just my thing for is the, fact, the the time crunch is what I'm like this this makes it a little unbelievable for me but whatever. The first
1: the first book made the quest for the egg seem like such a huge epic undertaking. Yes. And that's why that's one of the reasons I love Ready Player One so much like it felt like I was experiencing this like ultimate video game quest that was comprised of all the 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 the, the sum total of pop culture from, you know, for, from forever, basically. Um, and then this was like, okay, you have 12 hours to figure out seven things. And I, and I remember even thinking, like, that's got to be some sort of, like, crazy twist because how did it take the basically years or at least months from the start of Ready Player One to figure all this stuff out? And they have 12 hours to get seven. And then they were like, boom, 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 boom. And then there were times where, like, when it would get to one, they would be like, Oh, well, we only have twelve hours. I'm like, good God, the way you're describing everything in detail, I feel like this is gonna take twelve hours to get through. And <laughs> and then by the time I got done with the like the damn prince chapter, I was like, my God, fifty hours have passed. And then they're like, Oh, good, we still have, you know, only forty five minutes of class. I'm like, Jesus Christ. So um I yeah, I do I do feel like it was a um it was weird having that twelve hour period and they were able to get all seven of these well, I guess the was the first one, I guess the first one was different. Yeah, because, he, he already had uh, that. Like a because he had that, but it's
2: still finding the other six of them in twelve hours. I'm like, oh, that was mm. well, and I totally and, and I totally agree with that with with what you said, Eric, on the first book is that those you know you had these three challenges that were going to be insanely hard. So the moment you find out in Ready Player Two there's seven, like my mind kept going, they're going to complete a few, and then something's going to happen to expedite the last remaining shards because there's no way. They're gonna be able to get through seven of these and to what you were saying too the the ones they did get to they were so drawn out and they yes. it such great detail I was like wait oh my wait, gosh we <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've got a bunch more that we have to to get to and and I feel I felt like and I've heard other people mention say this and I felt this way on my own for for whatever reason and it must have been insanely hard for Ernest Klein to write this book, at least from my perspective, after having such a fantastic opening with Ready Player One. But the nostalgic aspect of it just did not land for me this time around. And I haven't quite figured out exactly why, apart from several of the references I didn't even know. And I'm a geek. I was completely lost on a bunch of those references. But the ones that did I, I don't know I don't know if it's a, if it's just a, a, a matter of a, of a second book and you're going into it with this expectation that you're gonna get right. fed nostalgia or what but it just none of it really stuck with me that first book just I mean I gravitated towards and I connected yeah. bonded with I did not with this one so, so here here's here's what I what I thought so with the first book.
1: There were so many references, and he didn't spend too much time on any of them. Where even if you didn't quite get a reference, it, it could be an easy thing to like look up on Wikipedia, which I did a lot. But then there were, but then he would immediately go to another one, like, oh, he mentioned Neon Genesis Evangelion. I love that. So I get that reference. So this one, he focused so freaking much on the things. Like, if you were not a John Hughes prince or the first age of Middle Earth fanatic, those were slogs those are the three parts I almost stopped reading the damn book like it was like like and I I've seen John Hughes movies I've listened to Prince I've not read Lord of the Rings or especially I'm not I'm not familiar with the Silmarillion oh I got I got, I got something for that was. I got yeah, something for that we'll just, get to it and it was just like so much of that and it and at points in all of those I was just like I don't know what he's talking about like in like he was like here's Prince from this, here's Prince from this. And I was just like, all I had in my mind was seven versions of Prince from Animaniacs during the Fingerprints uh, joke. <laughs> that was what was going on in my head. Like, it was like, like I know Prince is sort of this, of, of his own making, this sort of crazy mythical figure. And I mean, I, I kind of got that, but it was just like, there was so much, like, there was not this bouncing around of um, like, oh, they're fighting Prince, but then, uh, you know, uh, but then a, a Gundam shows up, a purple Gundam, and then they're in that, I'm like, okay, cool. It was just like, okay we're gonna make reference to this prince song and then h was getting mad that they didn't know about prince but then five seconds later um she's getting mad because she doesn't know about um um uh, middle earth but it was just i felt like there was way too much of a focus on these specific things and it was him showing off how much he knows about john hughes and prince and the silmarillion um and but and it didn't have those bouncing around uh the, the bouncing around between a lot of different things. That I think made the Oasis feel so much more alive and like, oh, this is a place I would love to hang out. That the first book did.
0: So I, I can take it from you guys that, um, as as you said, you're you're. I I don't think any I, I like Prince. I got a few of the references, but there was like some deep, deep, deep digging there that I'm like, no. yes, I'm not getting it. I also there there was a point that I was like, oh my gosh, I guarantee you, it's going to be this. Where they were walking around through the streets and they saw, like, an arcade game sitting off to the side. And I'm like, that's going to come back later. That that's actually what they were supposed to do. They do this whole quest and it's pointless. That they were supposed to play the arcade game. And that that didn't happen. But I just was, like, the Prince thing, I was sitting there scratching my head going, okay, how long is this going to last? Because this is going on for a while. Now, it had a cool payoff and everything. But at the same time being somebody who I understand like the mythos of Prince and everything, that there is like his different incarnations through the years and everything. I Mor Morris Day in the Times, my immediate thought was, oh, Jay and Silent Bob. And then there's the Jay and Silent Bob reference in the Mm -hmm. book to Jason Muse apparently yelling, um, Morris Day in the Times so I'm like, oh okay, I guess I'm on the same wavelength there. But then I completely departed. From it, and there's another interesting reference there of like going and fighting like the different gods from mythology and stuff, like that you can do that in the Oasis. I was like, oh, that'd be cool to see or talk about or so. Nope, just a vague mention, and then we move on. Well, and
2: and I, I live—I mean, I live in Minneapolis, so you're,
1: you're, you are in. You were on the Prince.
2: Uh, what do they call it, Afterworld? Yeah, yeah and, you, were, you live yeah, in Afterworld, basically. <laughs> like I know, I know all these references of Graffiti Bridge and Eden Prairie and Hennepin Avenue, and even I'm like, all right, <laughs> 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 that's that's cool. I I guess. I mean, I enjoyed the Prince battle. I have a question for Zenger really, real quick, because like I said, I I wish I had read the entire book and not listened to the audio book because i realized that reading the book the references were working better for me and zanger i'm wondering if you picked up on this i got thoroughly annoyed because will wheaton did he does a good job reading the book and narrating but there were moments where they're doing references and he's not doing the cadence and i didn't understand why so like when they do like i would die for you right yeah everybody i would die for. yeah yeah he just do that a bunch of times and i was like everybody knows how these songs go why aren't right. you inflecting the proper cadence with these cuz like when i'm reading it that's what i'm doing in my head yeah i'm doing ex- the dearly beloved we are gathered here today to get, and i'm yep. doing it with prince but he didn't do that which i thought was a very weird narration choice uh, a very
0: weird direction like like from the director of the audiobook could have been like hey could you punch this up a little bit
2: yeah it was weird I I,
0: I I i agree i agree with you saying that um i agree but we all know we have to live our life correct which which that that was a real funny joke by the way in the book
1: yeah. i i listened to the the ready player one with will wheaton's read and i just read it uh, straight up this time i didn't since i'm not commuting a half hour to work uh every day um so i was wondering when they especially during the prince chapter i was like is will wheaton singing along with these because I, I was even thinking yeah. thinking about what i do i was like man they would have had to like there's some copyright or that kind of stuff like that but i'm like i hope they did because that would be really cool and then I, before, last night when i was going around people were like specifically mentioning how that annoyed them during the audiobook they're like yeah Will Wheaton did a great job but the parts where it came to the music was just it was weird so i was like eh, that's a shame well, I know
0: I'll get struck by Purple Lightning for saying this, but I was very <laughs> disappointed true. by not getting the Dave Chappelle version of Prince. I
1: thought that was going to be in there, too. I thought it was going to be referenced.
0: I thought it was, too. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. and It never came. And I was like, darn it. All right, missed the opportunity. Mike. But it was just one of those things. Like, the Prince thing, I, if you were big into Prince, like, you would have been all over this. As for the John Hughes stuff, I'm like, I, I've seen a good number of Johnny Hughes movies, but, like, when he was mentioning, oh, they did, I'm like, I forgot he did some of these movies.
1: Right. Or he, like, was the writer or the producer. Like, yeah. You know, when they are talking about some of the, the the movies in there, I'm like, he was, I mean, I mean, that's a stretch, but they were like, it's to include everything he worked on, so.
0: Uh, also, the, the Robert Downey Jr., I feel is like a weird, like, there was a joke about him being the original Iron Man, which I'm like, oh, so I guess it implies that there's a new Iron Man that exists later right. or something. But <laughs> but no, it, w- it was cool to have them be like, oh, Robert Downey Jr.'s here from when he was you know, young and everything. And then they just have him kind of standing around most of the time doing nothing. It li- literally. it's It even said in the book that if he wasn't like being actively talked to, he'd just kind of stand there.
1: They mentioned his idle animation where he was tapping his foot.
0: Yep. And and that's and that's something to where like oh that's a cool like Easter egg backstory on if that all is true about like that's how that John Hughes movie was was it Sixteen Candles I like I said I'm the worst at this I think so, yeah so and and oh I do also like the reference to like you could go steal the um the the Ferrari and everything from Ferris Bueller's Day Off but if you did you get thrown in like there was cool references to stuff but i'm like you keep on talking about stuff that would be interesting it would be cool if we had more time yeah instead <laughs> of this like you have
1: 12 hours you keep well, on I mean, talking they about mentioned, they mentioned like like home alone and of course i haven't just watched both home alones last week cuz i as i usually like to do when i'm really stuffed with turkey uh, after <laughs> thanksgiving i was sitting there thinking i was like how would the home alone quest go like would you would you take over the role as kevin and would you have to set the traps, or could you do it as the Harry Martin? My mind started going that way, and then I'm like, "Oh man, I want to focus more on what the Home Alone Oasis quest would be, as opposed to the, the 16 Candles one." But then, yeah, I got back to
0: it. Like I said, there, there's, there's opportunities there that I'm like, "Oh, this is, stuff is really cool," and it's like he's creating a universe, but he's doing nothing with it, sort of thing. Well, like, it's
2: interesting. I read the, um, I, I and I almost, I almost wish I hadn't <laughs> because it was sort of retroactive now, you know, being critical, but. When I finished it, I read the acknowledgments, and I don't know if you guys watched the um, any of the, the the documentaries around the the making of the movie for Ready Player One, um, but obviously they changed a ton for the for the theatrical right. release, yeah. you know, from the challenges in the book, and that was largely done by by Steven Spielberg. Well, when you read the acknowledgments for Ready Player Two, he mentions that he took advice on writing Ready Player Two from Steven Spielberg. Yeah, and- I saw that. I couldn't and unfortunately it's kind of like um it's kind of like with the Mandalorian you know now that we all know how the volume works I don't know how you guys are but I can't help but look to see where the real set ends in the oh volume. yeah 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 right so like when it comes to ready player two I can't help but wonder okay how much of this was really Ernie Klein and then how much of this was influenced by other people that's what it kind of that's where I think the disjointedness of the book felt like for me. I, I feel like there may have been some other cooks in the kitchen this time around that may have impacted some of the choices that he made. And that's kind of an unfair way to criticize it. Cause we don't know if that's the case, but that's what it felt like for me.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Cause I mean, think about when he wrote the first book, like he, he was unknown and the book blew up and then this one, I mean, he's coming off the heels I mean, even mentions he's coming off the heels of it being made into a major motion picture by Steven freaking Spielberg. So you're right. I think there were, there was a lot more scrutiny and I definitely could. I, now that you mentioned it, I can definitely get a, see where there could be a too many cooks in the kitchen kind of, kind of vibe going on. Absolutely.
0: And on that note, I would appreciate like a Spielberg world or something that they had to go to for one of the challenges or something like maybe make some like, like you know, reference to the fact, like not reference to the movie, but kind of a hint, hint, nudge, nudge at like Steven Spielberg in there. But no, there's there's nothing. I'm sad.
2: I feel like <laughs> if they make a movie version of this, it's going to be awesome.
0: Oh yeah, I, yeah.
2: yeah. I sure. feel like they're going to strip everything down to its essence. Because I don't know about you guys, but I laughed to my wife because I got to page 118, and I was like, "Is this thing going to get going?" I'm like, yes, I'm like, are we going to get and then when it hit right around 119, 120, I was like, yeah, man. All right. I'm fully on board. Let's go. It just took one hundred and twenty pages to get it's there. Way but then too long. Oh, my gosh. My excitement level just kind of then tapered off and kind of plateaued. Um, but the whole first part of that book, it felt like Ernie Klein was as a this is where the this is where the writer part of me gets in the way. But I felt like. Like, Ernie Klein, when he started the book, sat down and went, okay, what are the fans of the first book going to want to know? And then he spent 118 pages laying out what he thought we all wanted to know. And I don't know about you guys. I didn't really give a rip. I wanted to get into the story.
1: 100%.
2: 100, I have to go
1: above 100% to agree with you on that. Because I was like, oh, my God, man, get on with it. Get on with (laughs) it! I even thought I was like, is this what the book's gonna be about? Because this is really not that interesting.
0: <laughs> um, this that that part of the book reminds me, and this is something I know Eric criticized um the last time we did the last time we talked about Ready Player One, was the part in the book where he is explaining like the oasis, the history of it, all that stuff. In the book during like one of his classes early on, and that's why I felt like this was it's 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 exposition for exposition's sake and write yeah, it's have, like, because
1: if he's writing it in first person yeah. it's like he's telling he's telling it to us and it's like you're not writing a book for people in the past you're be, you'd be writing a book for people in the present or the future who would already know all this information so and, he's just writing it out for yeah
0: and this is say. something you could have weaved in throughout the book at different points instead of having it be 120 pages worth of like, okay, this could have been woven into the story narratively to where instead of an exposition dump, we could have had a break from the print stuff maybe for a second to kind of have like a flashback or, you know, a kind of well, let's see what's going on. Uh, like, I, I don't know. It's just something to where a pacing is something I I understand and I criticize it. But if you had me do it myself, I'd probably do awful at it. So um it's, I don't know. It's just that that pacing. I, I noticed too doing the audiobook, I was like all right, we're, we're establishing stuff. Well, is cool. and, that's,
2: and that's so hard. I mean, that was the biggest complaint. And this is not a book plug. It's just I'm speaking from my own experience. <laughs> <laughs> the, biggest, the biggest complaint that I had on Embark Book One was that it took too long to get going. And I know exactly why. I was a first-time writer, and I was trying to world build. But after three books, I realized I didn't need all that. And I've done... Thir- I'm on the the third and final uh, version of that is out right now. He's saying
0: now, this right? when, he, when he's on next time. He'll be like, "This is the fourth version of it." It's the <laughs> I've, done,
2: I've done a complete <laughs> overhaul of book one, but I completely I stripped out oh I don't know almost ten thousand words worth and moved a bunch of it to a prologue just to get the story going more. So like I can relate to you know Ernie Klein, you know having difficulty with that. And I'm wondering if you guys got this too. Not to take over, but real quick before I forget. Um, um, my wife Melinda sort of likened it to George Lucas and the prequels. And I wonder because of what we said before, he had so much success on the first book that was really authentic and genuine to him. He wrote it probably didn't have a lot of outside influence on it, but then you get to the second book. And again, getting back to too many cooks in the kitchen, how many of the individuals surrounding this book were completely unaware of the pop culture references And just sort of nodded along and just went, yeah, yeah, do more of that. Yeah, without – and he's like, okay, I'll just do more of that. I'm just wondering if he didn't have the right group around him to sort of distill what he was trying to accomplish. It's very possible.
0: Um, Okay, I will say this once again. Not trying to suck up because John's on the show or anything, but I am a genuine fan of his work. So I will say at least you did it in um, – I'm going to say podcast, but I'm blanking on what it's called. It was. Um, It was podcast. Yeah. Blastrocast?
2: Yeah, it was Blastrocast.
0: Which which is basically podcast. At least you did it in a way to where the character was listening to that and it made at least vague sense in the world of, oh, I'm just listening to this podcast. Sure. talking about it so at least that made better sense of instead of one of your characters stopping what they were doing turning in in my opinion looking directly into the reader's face and going allow me to explain some stuff to you because i feel it is necessary <laughs> which is what happens in the first book of this and the beginning of this book like you said was it cool for him to wander around his mansion and talk about his daily routine it it was a thing it, it had it was one of those like oh cool you're rich you you've you've got all this stuff. It's like I've got these cars. I never drive them. I basically live at this house and never get leave here. Neat. Like it. it just. I don't know. It was just one of those things where it just it did nothing for me of world building. It's just like you could have said he was in a blank, empty room and it would have done the same amount of world building as it did for you to explain that he lives in holiday holidays old mansion. Because yeah, it just it. That stuff did nothing for me whatsoever. I do like the fact that it is pointed out that his old apartment is like a like monument now and like a museum yeah. piece. So, I, Like I said, there, there is stuff I like. There is stuff I like, and I feel like we're going to get to that maybe near the end. I don't know how much more you, you guys got, but my only other thing is the Lord of the Rings thing. I'm going to say this. <laughs> it hit me in a personal spot where I'm like, I feel personally attacked by this. Because when it's like, oh, you've never read The Cimmerillion. I have the audiobook, The Cimmerillion. I have tried. I have tried, (laughs) and I have tried. And I will give you an accurate of where I'm at with that. Um, It is a 14-hour, 49-minute audiobook. And I have 9 hours, 22 minutes left. And it has been that way for probably almost a, it. It's very interesting, but it is seriously a ton of names that have nothing to do with anything or are mentioned vaguely once in the trilogy. Like I said, I love Lord of the Rings, but man, it's like getting into the writers' like backstory that they wrote that like has nothing... It's interesting, I'll get through it eventually, but when Wade was sitting there going, oh man, I could never get, I'm like, man, I'm feeling personally attacked by these statements, (laughs) because that's me and I feel a lot of other people when it comes to Cimmerillion and everything. So, it it was just really weird having that, and then like, oh, Shadowfax was mentioned, and the swords were mentioned, and I'm like, they're going to do nothing, because this isn't the time or place for them. And I'm sure this is one of those weird quests where you got to do it exactly the way... It's supposed to be done in the books, so if you didn't read the books, you're screwed. And well, it was.
2: This is where, again, the... If I had done it, and I don't I don't like doing that, but there seemed to me to be an obvious way to... Like, the choice of going with the Cimmerillion, I'm like, I didn't get that. Because I'm with you, I mean... the 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 hardest of the hardcore Lord of the Rings fans, you know, are gonna be hard pressed to really go, that's my favorite, or they're gonna (laughs) go back and read that. So I'm I'm going, or I know you're going deep here, Ernest Klein, but you know, even for hardcore fans, they're not gonna know exactly what you're talking about. And I was mentally I'm going, if it were me, I'm gonna do it. If it were me, I would have gone the route of let's play within the Book version versus movie version versus the extended versions and have the characters bouncing back and forth between I only watched the movies. Why didn't you read the books? The books say right. this and then get into the minutia that way. At least you're going to be tapping into the vast amount of Lord of the Rings fans who feel like the books are the gospel that most people haven't really gotten into. I just thought it was a really weird choice to go that obscure when when you're going to do you know something relating to tolkien i did not understand that
0: so when can i expect your adaptation or your cut of this book because i am interested now because that sounds way more interesting and would have i think made for a lot more better canon fodder than the the, the the two characters we had completely having no clue what to do and then the one character showing up and basically oping the entire situation Kind of, especially having
1: just come off of watching the movies again for for the I show, like, yeah, <laughs> like, I, they were they were so fresh in my mind, and I, I was I had that same thought. I was like, man, why did they why did they focus so much on this one obscure thing that even Tolkien fans hate? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't. Do, do you
2: guys? Know if anybody has looked at? I was going to, I just haven't had time. Has anybody looked at the IPs of what he mentioned in this book? Because I'm wondering how much thought went into this time around injecting the the franchises and the references that they knew they had access to if they wanted to do a movie. Uh. Well, that was my, I actually had
1: that thought, but here's the
2: thing that I thought was weird. Prince, even though he's passed, his estate
1: is notoriously protective of his stuff. And I even thought about that when I was reading it and I thought, you know, if they do a movie of this, I don't know if they're going to be able to even do the whole print section because there i mean he is apparently his estate even I, i've read uh things where people want i mean i know his songs and have been used plenty time plenty of times in advertising um there was an ATT commercial i think that used let's go crazy just a couple years ago but i've heard that like there have been like copyright nightmares over his stuff so i even i, I wondered that too but so it's interesting you brought that up because i'm like hmm so, I don't know, maybe, maybe they've worked something out. Maybe Spielberg can pull some strings or whatever. But I, I was wondering about that with the Prince section specifically.
0: Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm looking up, like, who has the rights to certain stuff with John Hughes. Because I know Warner Brothers has everything um, involved with Lord of the Rings. Paramount right. is, is who did Ferris Bueller. I, like I said, I don't know, because I feel like a lot of these things are like... But that is a very good very good catch there, John with that of like, is is he setting up for something else or was it just like he was just writing from his heart, which I
2: don't well, do know. You, do either of you guys remember in the book or not? Cause I, cause I, I, I don't know. I I watch the the movie religiously. It's just one of those films. It's filled with so much great stuff. that You can just put it on and just go with it. Um, and I've got a massive crush crush on Oasis Artemis. I, I don't mind mentioning. <laughs> um, but, but um, in the, in the movie, there's that little exchange at the very, very end when he's in Halliday's house after he gets the egg right before Halliday walks through the door. And um, Parzival and Halliday have the conversation of, you know, are you dead? Yes. You know, then what are you? Was that in the book or was that just the movie?
0: I think that's just the movie.
1: Yeah, it's been so long since I've seen either, them, and then it's been nine years since I read the book. I, I'm, I'm blanking. I, I know that we were talking about Vega, but I can't remember if it was one of the. Because
2: others. that sets up that I mean that little moment sets up the whole because I, I I I think we're supposed to assume that the the bad Anorak in Ready Player Two is that same yeah it is Halliday from the end that gives him the egg in Ready Player One the movie right yeah. Okay yeah
0: and book technically too but I okay. I don't I can't remember if he mentions I don't think it's as important. I just he think he thinks he thinks it's an AI
2: right okay just
0: like everyone else does I mean technically it is but it's also a brain scan that's been met I, I don't know the, the whole painting Halliday, okay, I want to get into this too the whole painting Holiday as a villain. Or, as uh you know you you know be, beware like um idolizing your heroes or something it it's i don't know it just it didn't work for me in the sense of it it worked and it didn't he had a redemption thing, and I'm like, okay, so that wipes away every bit of like hate I'm supposed to have for him, i guess, question mark, but at the same time, right. it was just sort of like eh it was it was something you're 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 going after technically a dead body. Like for for oh James Halliday was a terrible person. It's like okay, but the guy's dead, and the thing that he has is distinctly not enough like him that it's been established that they're 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 different entities to an extent. So I don't know. I just felt like it it, it absolved Halliday from at least what Anorak was doing per se. But I don't know. Holiday stuff was weird. It's it's this weird like he's obsessed with this girl. He you know, takes her mind, but then technically gives her an immortal body. So, yay, nay. I,
2: I, felt, <laughs> I felt like the Halliday stuff. You're, and I'm with you. I did not, I did not like the turning of Halliday. Right, even though it was this, you know, this 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 AI version of him. But I didn't like this sort of, I, for for lack of a better word, retconning. I didn't like this, we're gonna look at, at, at Halliday as not being a good guy because of how he was painted in the first book. And I know that by the end of it, you can tell that Klein attempted to close the gap, right? He attempted to go and explain, okay, I know that I've spent this book sort of laying out how Halliday was really not a good friend to Og or to Kira. So here's this letter that I'm gonna leave for him to say that I'm sorry. And I got that, but we spent so much time with bad Anorak and being told that Halliday was an awful friend that that just felt, fell flat for me at the end, unfortunately.
0: it Just for me, I was just sitting there the whole time like, I, I don't know how to feel about this character because you tell me to feel this way most of the time and then near the end you're like, actually, no, you shouldn't feel that way. We're going to swap it on you. Ha ha. But... And... Berg, what, 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 what about you? you? You need to get out on this.
1: Um, yeah, I...
0: Dig your hole real uh, quick, sir.
1: No, I, I, I do think it was... Um, it, it, it Like a lot of the things in the book, I thought his whole turning evil was kind of weird. I don't think it was something he had planned when he finished Ready Player One. And I thought that was kind of an idea he had for this. And then I thought him kind of, you know... Coming in at the at the end and just being like, oh, I'm sorry, I really meant. I don't know. It, it it was weird, but I do still get. I do get the. I guess I was able when I got out of it to be like, okay, that was truly not Halliday. That really was this corrupted version of yeah. Halliday. Um, so I was able to kind of make those things, and I do think Halliday. I do appreciate how he made Halliday a flawed character. Like I think in the first book they really did make him more as like he he was a little weird, but he was obsessed with pop culture and he really set forth uh everything but i do think in this book they did paint his flaws a little bit more and it made him seem more real like yeah he he was a visionary but he was a weird guy and but at the end you know that there was that letter that he wrote uh uh, that was released when he died he was like you know i'm 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 sorry for this i'm sorry for that i wish you know thank you for being a good friend i wish i was as good of a friend to you um you know so i do think that at least kind of like it didn't make me completely hate that but at the same time yeah. i do feel like a lot i do feel like this wasn't one of those things where it's like okay i've got a trilogy in mind here's what's going to happen here that's going to be answered in- answered in book two and then book three is going to take off all- yeah i do think it was a whole like hey what can i do with this character to, to make it not just references the book two even though it was references the book three because our motto is references the book two
0: <laughs> um so <laughs> that was just a big train of thought <laughs> so on that note i do want to mention this so the book in the last few pages for me takes a, like, screeching, like, turn, a gigantic leap, whatever metaphor you want to use for me, to where it's, like, it's revealed that basically this book's been being told by an AI of Wade. Right. And that they, like, scanned everyone's brains and sent them off into space, and I'm like, wait, what? (laughs)
3: Like,
0: I I get it from, from the stuff set up, but at the same time, it's like, there's not gonna be a third book. Like you basically just ended the series, right? Now, I've got a
1: thought. I've got a thought on that. But let's let's keep, let's go off of this whole thing. I didn't mind the little bit of the twi- twist. I guess not not so much the whole space thing. That part was. I, I never got on board with the whole the Vonnegut thing. Yeah, just I don't know. I don't know. why I never died with me. However, I did like the fact that the book was being told not by Wade, but was being told by. Parsable because they was. I mean, up until that point, they talk about how, and that was an interesting thing to think about how you there are now two versions of this person. There's the living person who is having, who is still going into the oasis and everything like that on Earth, but there is the second version. And there's a point when this contest, uh, or when the second part of the quest for the seven shards ends, where they are now branched off. And that is an interesting thing to think about. It's kind of going to like string theory, like where there's the whole like for every decision you make you make both of those decisions but they split off into alternate universes it's kind of like that yeah in like a physical form and i that's something i think about too like i i I don't know i like to think about like alternate history and stuff like that and it's kind of a way to be like here's alternate history and i i honestly could see them doing something where the two versions of all these characters have to meet up for some reason and because they've had different courses they're very different characters i could totally see them doing something like that i i kind of liked it like Again, I'm not, I'm not I, the whole the whole vonnegut the whole reason for them being there. I'm like, eh, I don't know. But the whole the whole fact that it
2: wasn't Wade but Parsable telling the story, I I, I kind of like that. So here's the <laughs> here's where the writer in me goes and screws up my my opinion of this. So <laughs> because they never went back to to the vonnegut and the spaceship. Now that whole thing stuck out to me, and as as Zenger alluded to original at, at the beginning of the of the of the show. Um, my first book is about humanity going to find a new home, and it ends with them heading out to Proxima Centauri to re- to recolonize. Um, so I had to laugh when that moment popped up in the book because I was so <laughs> influenced by the first book with my book with the pop culture references and the relationship of the friends mostly that I I was laughing. But then again, Proxima Centauri is an actual place, and this is where most you know, scientists believe is the closest habitable planet. So it makes sense. So that being said, the fact that they never went back to it, I suddenly had an ending forming in my mind where that was going to be the way out that they were, he was going to stick bad Anorak into the Arcadia version of the Oasis and blast him off into space and get rid of him. So which is
0: mentioned I think, at one point in the book, too.
2: Yeah, it is, which is what... Yeah, because I thought that's where it was going to go, too, and I at one point I was like, oh, they're, they're even setting it up, and then... But then we get to the end, and I don't know. I felt... I didn't mind that it was being told by the by the secondary Parsival. I just thought it was kind of sad that we have this ship heading out into space with these AIs that are stuck in the simulation with just the people to talk to, I don't know. I just, I I had a hard time sort of wrapping my head around what life is going to be like for this artificial intelligence. And then the inclusion of the fact that the ship's carrying a whole bunch of embryos. So (laughs) I'm like, all right, is, is, is Klein setting up for, I mean, if he's setting up for something else, that's cool. Like, you know, if we're going to get, if he's got some other grand idea and this ship heading out into space is a part of that. Okay. I can, I, I can get on board with that, but I just thought it was super strange we're now like in alien covenant territory right that was weird
1: <laughs> i actually did have a thought i was like are they going to be aliens and the aliens are going to somehow be able to perfectly interface with with the oni and get into the arcadia and there's going to be like alien ais fighting with pars of like, i i legitimately had that thought I'm like, i could kind of see him going in that direction <laughs> I, like I said I mean
0: personally for me I didn't I was like I feel like you wrote Yourself into a corner here because now we got technically Have two different characters but I didn't think of Oh why don't we do it from this perspective or, Oh what if they come to meet each other again or Whatever but No I mean I I said I I get the concept of Oh well there's a version of you here and there's a ver-, But I'm like it, It's one of those things to where I feel it's paying Off more in your own head than in the Book like like sure. like Berg said, it's it's paying off for him to think about it more there than it was. Me- like it's just an idea mentioned in the book that then you think about more, and it builds in your own mind than it did in the book's world.
2: Well, and but- I and I had to laugh because we, as we mentioned, we spend all that you know those hundred some odd pages of of uh, of exposition on what the characters have all been doing this whole time, right? Even though it picks up where the last one left off, but yet when he gets. To the Vonnegut and the spaceship it just he just yeah I built the spaceship I'm like oh okay (laughs) what (laughs) you just you just built the spaceship all right cool Uh, I guess I'll just accept that you built a spaceship and it's just sitting there ready to go I just again it was an interesting um it was an interesting story Uh, just a way to write the story. I just felt like you spent so much time on this, but that we're just, you just, you want us to accept. I'm like, all right, I guess I'll accept it. It just seemed really strange. So the last book I read before I read this
1: was um, a book called Endurance. It's by uh, Scott Kelly, the astronaut. And it was about his year that he spent in space and a lot. And it bounced back and forth between like his, how he became, wanted to become an astronaut and his actual time on the ship and talked about the insane amount of training he had to do and being like peak shape and all this stuff like that. And all I could think about was, you are talking about all blasting off in a year, and you're some nerd who's been living in his mansion, uh, hooked up to a computer for 12 hours a day, for the past three years. Like you are not ready to go into space. Like I just, I just kept going back to that. I had to laugh because I'm like, and I'm like, who knows what sort of advancements they've made in the with 30 years or wherever this is supposed to be in the future? But I'm like, knowing, <laughs> having read what actually goes into anyone having to even think about going to space, you guys aren't ready. <laughs> There.
0: I I do also like the men to, to call back to something way earlier that's vaguely mentioned in the book that I'm like oh that's funny um, I, I do like how how they're like the secret cabal government too the the winners of the challenge because they were saying how they were like funneling money into like helping the government and stuff right. behind the scenes and I'm like so are they the secret cabal government that's like running the world but it's the Illuminati but
1: spelled with a one
0: yeah yeah exactly it was it was something that, going that on? Yeah, exactly. It was something that, that was hinted at that I was like, oh, that's interesting. Duh. Okay, we're not going to talk about it anymore. Cool. Like, there, there's plenty I'm, of things that I'm like, that's interesting. And then nothing happens. Okay,
1: I want to bring up the biggest one. Okay. I have a theory about this. The biggest missed opportunity that I wanted to hear so much more about the low five. We get introduced to, yeah. to, to Lohengrin, and then we see the group, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be cool. There's going to be this whole. Like, rivalry, um,
3: or like, it, it, I, well, no,
1: I thought it was going to be this whole like. It was like we were talking about uh, yesterday when we were our, on the last episode when we were talking to Fletch how on in Return of the Jedi I loved how there were three battles going on at the end. You got the battle on on in the moon of Endor. You've got the space battle, then you've got the battle inside the Death Star going on. I was like, I love that. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. You're going to see them going after the Shard. You're going to see them going after the Dorkslayer, and I can't wait to see these new characters. And then nothing. They go out. And then I kept going, we're getting to the end of the book. Like, what's going on? And then she shows up at the end with the Dork Slayer and gets killed. Um, I honestly, I was just like, that was such a missed opportunity to introduce some of the only few new characters in the damn book and then barely even touch them. So what I think is going to happen, I think the next book is going to be like a spinoff book that's going to be about their quest, maybe like kind of getting to know these characters more and then them meeting up with Parzival and then them going on the quest because that I was interested for because they had to go into the, um, the, the, the sector zero or whatever, where it was like uncharted or whatever. And I was like, Oh, we're going to get actually some new content that's like kind of Ernest Klein letting his imagination fly. Uh, and then it was like nothing. So I was just like, that is such a missed opportunity. I wanted to learn more about these, these new characters. And it was like, just kind of a, like a lot of things in this book just kind of like dropped on us. And then briefly mentioned again to, to progress the plot and then it was like oh,
2: it's the you um you got
1: 50 pages of French references
2: it's the <laughs> it's the um it's the byproduct of a book like this being written in first person um yeah. if you've written this in third person like omniscient which is kind of how, wh- how i write my books where you can jump around to different characters and pop mm-hmm. into their heads um you could do that but i had the same feeling as you like I kept getting bummed out when Artemis would leave the central story because I like her character so yeah. much. I'm like, yeah. we're not going to get any of this because Parzival's not there. And yeah. that's why the whole time I'm going, the movie version of this can rock because you can get the lo-fi. You can get Artemis outside the matrix. You can, you know, you can find out how they got the dork slayer. You can find out how Artemis went to his house. It's just the limitations of writing a story that's this expansive from one person's perspective. It it ends up pigeonholing you to where, you know, for me, I know when that character leaves from Parzival, I'm like, I'm not we're not going to find out what happened until they show back. And And exposition
1: themselves being in um reading just a print version whenever they would do like a song lyric or whatever it would be like a different kind of font and i wondered if they were going to do that at first like i was like oh maybe they're going to switch to what's going on with the dork slayer uh and it'll be like in a different font and told from lohengrin's um perspective but then it, it just it wasn't but you, that makes a lot of sense too when you're right when it's when it's first person that can limit in something like especially something like this it can limit the the, the scope of what um is is shown so yeah you're right but yeah it was such a i really do think there is going to be i could see a novella even or something like that Of yeah even if it's just just their quest for the dorks i want to see more about these characters because i mean we really only met them in their private chat room and then just get their names again and the only one i the only other one i can remember is the one who's basically um goku yeah the, the chinese goku not 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 toriyama goku uh, yeah. but it was, uh, but I mean, those, that, that was the only other one I, I can really remember, but I was like, you know what? I could totally see him writing a book about their question, the dork slayer. And, uh, I hope he does. Cause I was interested to find out more, uh, about that.
0: I'd like to see that myself. I mean, it, like you said, there's, there's these interesting characters that they do nothing with, like they're, they're introduced and then, okay, cool. Bye. <laughs>
2: so here's a, here's a meta thought. Okay, so (laughs) I find it interesting that here we have another circumstance and this is sort of book, but you can apply this to, to movies. And I guess I'm specifically thinking, even though I like the sequels, I'm one of the few. I realize this. But you look at Matrix or like Pirates of the Caribbean. And here you had, you know, the original movies were were, you know, loved by almost everyone universally, especially in the Matrix case. But then you fall into that sequel problem where the story gets bigger it expands and you kind of end up losing people from like a meta perspective you know I don't think he did it intentionally but (laughs) it's like that's what this ended up turning into I don't know I mean I think we all agree that first book is amazing man I never through a book that fast in my entire life I love that book and I love the movie um and and I wonder if on its own. Ready Player Two without having the unfortunate baggage of having such a wonderful first story, um, you know, how do you live? It's that story. It's that 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 typical. How do you live up to those expectations? You know, I just I feel I almost feel bad for for Ernest Cline to be honest with you.
0: I mean, it's so it would it's so hard to follow up with something like that. I mean, I know I make constant comments about its references the book, but it's like I enjoy it because of that. This is references to the references with references that it's like, why are we wasting so much time on
3: this
0: (laughs) sort of thing? Like when he made references in the other one to like the, um, the, what was it? The like, um, dot, dot, dot rom or whatever it was, the, the text adventures and stuff. There was references to other stuff still peppered in there. When you get to like the print stuff, it's straight up. Are you not familiar with prints? Oh, you're not. You're not gonna get a dang thing. That's gonna happen then, um, because then the
1: characters, even in, in those sections, were 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 expositing, and yeah. it's like no, they wouldn't have been saying that. They're just you're saying that for for the benefit of the reader. When these characters, you're explaining things that they could easily pull up on their huds, like because half the time he'd be like, I pulled it up on my HUD. I'm like, they could do the same thing, but instead you're saying out loud everything so that we have that benefit. And it's like, oh my gosh.
0: Like I said, I didn't think about having a side story book now, but now I'm like, I, I would love to see the, the quest for the dork slayer book with, 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 with the low five and get to know their characters Cause I feel like their characters were like, here's some interesting characters that we're going to do nothing with within this book. So it's like, I'm hoping we get more from them. Ray player won the new class. <laughs> Perfect. Um,
2: I wonder if we I wonder if we'd end up enjoying it on a second read or a second listen to the, to the audio book, you know? like when you guys were talking just now, especially about the lo-fi and wanting to see that. Um, and, and I did too, but I also know what that's born from. That's born from, again, how much fun we had with the first book yeah. and going on an adventure with these new characters that are having to to do this. The lo-fi represented that. And so, like, we had an expectation of, oh, cool. Okay, so this will be feeling like it did in the first book. Um so I'm 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 wondering if going back on a second read or a second listen to the audiobook, knowing what we're in for, if if there'll be a, because I didn't hate it. I mean, I think that's I don't think any of us no, did. No, no. I didn't hate it. I mean, I I enjoyed the listen. I enjoyed the read. It just did not live up to the expectations that I had, and certainly not that first book. So I'm wondering yep. if on a, a second go around, if we'll appreciate it more.
0: I mean, you, give give me some time. I'm sure I'll re re listen to that and Ready Player One back to back to see if I can connect stuff and just. Just be the human reference guide to pop culture for a while. Um,
1: I I would like to do the if I do if I do a second read-through. it'll be a bit, but I would like to do the audiobook because that I do think that is a big reason why I enjoyed so much of Ready Player One. I mean, it was an awesome story. But I love Will Wheaton's read. Like he um in in the acknowledgments, even says like he didn't just read the book; he acted the part. Like, he did a good job, and I know there's the weird stuff with the singing and everything like that, but still, I'd like to do a second read-through with that and see, because, I mean, that really was a big part of what got me into and, like, really invested in Ready Player One.
0: Well, Berg, I got some good news for you. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash Zingness, you can go onto Audible and get that book yourself, or instead, you could actually go and get... The Embark Saga. Yes, there are three soon-to-be-four books in that saga written by the amazing John Justice, who I wish really? he could even give like a like, like, like a word or a little blurb to that that we could put right here.
1: Uh, you mean a poor slub such as me could get access to this?
0: Yes, by going to audible.com slash zing this. And once wow. again, I wish we could get like a little plug from John right here. Uh,
2: the Embark series is uh, the future of adventure.
0: Wow, that is perfect to put like on the back of a book or something.
2: And if you go to my you can find out more.
0: <laughs> perfect.
2: And, and if uh, and, and Eric, if you email me, I might have an audio file that might be worth listening uh, to that oh, uh, got the words ready player and 2 in it. <laughs> so you're telling me, you're telling
1: me even a poor slub like myself could I get access to an internet enabled computer or device? <laughs> Get myself an electronic email account through a free service, and then I can reach out to you yeah. through the internet. It's true. True. Yes. As sure, you might need a Dropbox. As, as sure a, you're going to tell me there's something called Moon Pies. <laughs>
0: as opposed to how you normally communicate, John, by sending ravens out, as <laughs> as, as as authors are to do. All <laughs> giant right. eagles. Yeah, yes, giant eagles, which... were were those yeah those were in the those are actually in this there there's a book reference awesome we did it we got there um so i want to get
1: so i have one more nitpick i want to get and this is a writing thing specifically and i noticed this i didn't notice it in the first book and i think it's because i listened to the audiobook but i noticed it in armada and it came back and it made me it got to the point where i was angry but there is a certain word that he uses way too much and it is lazy writing
3: oh it is the word
1: began holy crap if he, if you played a drinking game called, take a shot every time he uses the word began, you would be dead after a page. And <laughs> <laughs> it and it is lazy writing. He would always be like, this character yeah. began to do this. This character began, and every time, I get to the point where I would stop and reread the sentence without began, and I'm like, not only does the sentence still work, it sounds better, and it keeps you in the action. Uh, like, the thing began to do this. It began to do I'm like, no, just say it did it. Just say it did it. Oh my god, man. It <laughs> There was one point. There was a paragraph where he used it three times, and I had to stop reading. I was like, "All right, I gotta take a break. You're making me mad, Ernie." Could, <laughs> couldn't you? So I just did... had to bring that up strictly from a writing standpoint. Yeah. And actually, John, I wanted to ask you about that as someone who has,
2: has written books and what your thoughts were, if you, or if you noticed that. Um, I did, and as somebody who's done that, because I used "now" so many times <laughs> in the first book <laughs> that I had to go back and fix it. Um, and I and I had a catchphrase in the first book that I had to go back and fix because I did it too much. So he needs Grammarly. Grammarly, tells you, <laughs> it, it, I try I use it all the time, and it tells you this you, this word is being used often. Paragraph. <laughs> and so all or all I needed was was Grammarly. It would have fixed it for him. I'm with you 100. It's hard. You get into a crutch. You know, it's really difficult yeah. when you're writing. You probably know this, Eric. When you want to, oh yeah. One of very things, you know. There's only so many different ways you can describe a spaceship or a starfighter or a T- absolutely, Ah! hundred percent. daunting because I mean, you can't make everybody happy you know it, right. it's, it's it's really it's really difficult but yeah. um, I'm gonna I, buy, I, I have buy, buy to I find find a grammarly account uh, before he writes ready player three
0: <laughs> perfect um so so wait so instead of using began you could use another word like I don't know where, where my giant thesaurus creature is right now but you could use like they embarked on something ha-ha, true ha-ha.
2: Yes, they could
0: yes they, they could and, and I and, could-
2: and and you you are way too good to me,
0: uh, didn't I I, I I try, I try, sir. I try every every time you
2: say everybody. I really, <laughs> do. I really do.
0: <laughs> yes. I I I feel I, I am too good to you sometimes, sir. But it is well deserved because you are always a pleasure. Um, oh, thank you. I, I I I've got nothing else on this. I feel like I need to reread it. I feel like we were very harsh on it, but at the same time, I I feel like we like if 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 you it's boring to listen to an episode where everyone's like it's good it's good it's so good it's good it's good it's one of those things where it's better sometimes to have people nitpick stuff so i feel like I, we we do it because we care
1: right well there, the thing is though i mean we've already been going for a while and i don't want to spend too much but there were things i liked about the book like so as much as i complained about the prince thing one thing i did appreciate was that and the, and the john Hughes thing was he made those in the combat scenarios for things that really weren't violent or you know having <laughs> combat and i like yeah. that i liked him making like here's like sonic guitars that that uh you can use to fight prince i'm like that's that's cool like that was really awesome like i do i mean prince is an opposing kind of figure if you see him like i totally imagine these seven princes even though i was imagining the animaniacs version kind of just floating in the air looking you know melting, i was leveling, i was like, imagining Dave chappelle yeah exactly and and it's like it, it was really cool and then the one quest where they had to go to the uh the planet that Og and Kira created, the, the educational planet that was free for everything. That was so cool. Like I thought that was really fun because other than a few scattered references, which again, it wasn't like one thing, it was a it was like a wholly original um, concept that he created for this book. And that's when I was having a lot of fun. Like I loved the thought of this place that kids could go to that's real in the in the Oasis, that's really fun and educational. And I think I thought about like the book it thing, how uh, you know, when we were kids, you could read Book It, you could get your stickers, you could get a free personal campaign. It was like that, but like times a billion because you're getting like cool virtual things that you can use in the Oasis. You you know, he mentions Elmo is talking to uh, to Cherry from uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse. And I'm like, you know what? Those are some scattered references that I think most people will get. And like, but other than that, it was this wholly original thing. And that's where I think um, he, it really shined in this book. And I wanted to see more of these original. Uh, these original concepts kind of like why I wanted to see the, uh, the low five a little bit more, but um, stuff like that. I do. I, those were some things I really liked about the book and it kept me going and it had me smiling and thinking, all right, that's kind of cool. So.
2: Well, and I'll, and, and I'll add to that too. And as we, as we wrap up, um, I kind of treat this book and, and maybe it's been, I probably should have said this up front, but um, you know, my love of star Wars, right. Runs deep. I love, Almost everything about Star Wars, even the stuff that I'm not a big fan of. It's still Star Wars, right? At the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, this is still this ready player, you know, world that he's built that is a, a fantastic time to be in. Um, yeah. It's still better than the vast majority of other books or IPs that are out there that try to do a, a similar subject on it. I actually found the outside the Oasis stuff. To be more interesting this time around than the inside the Oasis stuff, um, okay. I really like. I thought the idea of the telebots were cool. I think if they can if they can um, translate those to to a, to a film, that whole ending battle of them waking up inside the house and the the ambulance being attacked and yeah. I mean all of yes. that, I think would really I really enjoyed that. I thought the scene. I thought the idea of Artemis being not attached via the the, the o and I and being in the plane and then Anarak trying to kill her I loved that whole sequence I thought that was that was rad it was completely different than what we got before which is funny because in the first movie I prefer being in the oasis versus being out of it and with this book I actually really thought that he did a good job of creating a, a really compelling and exciting world outside of the uh, of the oasis and that's why 100%. I really want to see this turned into a movie because I really do think that if you can expand upon it, strip out the, the baggage, it can make just a fantastic, really, really fun second chapter that would do better juxtaposed next to the Ready Player One film than the Ready Player Two book did next to the Ready Player One book.
0: I like it. <clears throat> I think I think the references I think it would be cut down a little bit with the like the Prince thing would probably be well, I mean, of course, all of it would have to be shorter, but I think maybe focus on one John Hughes. I don't know. I'm kind of going back and forth
1: because, well, and I think too, the thing with writing is you sometimes need a paragraph to describe what you can see in a split second on an actual yes. frame of film. So I think a lot of that could be cut down. Or instead of him describing a song, that's going to be playing in the background. So yes. he's not going to have to sit there and describe the oh the organs in in the beginning of Let's Go Crazy struck up and it was holy and then it stuck into this and then you know, it's like, you'll hear that and you'll get that sense. Like you'll be able to see it and hear it. Um, and they won't have to describe that. So, I mean, they can easily, um, I think it, again, you're kind of like what John was saying. I think it's a very, when it comes to film, I think that we'll be able to kind of like efficiency, you know, make it a little more efficient or whatever. So
2: the needle drops will just be needle drops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you want to say needle drop, needle drop, needle drop.
0: <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I 100% agree with that. I, I've, would like them to do a movie of this too. I like. I said the book. I, I guess my final opinion on the book is, it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's, it's a, it's a follow up. It's not as good as the first, but it's still something I enjoy being with the characters again. Per se, I like. I said I. I. I hate saying I like Wade because I'm like he's not that likable. He's just sort of the person you have to deal with. But that's my opinion. It's. It's fine. Read it. (laughs) After we
2: sit here back... I was was going to make it on the book jacket. Zager said it's fine. Read
0: it. I I I think it's comparable to my um, uh, Attack of the Clones um, book... I mean, movie jacket thing. It's... um, I think that one was... um, It's a movie people watched.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's not that that. A movie that that people that 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 watched. Yes.
0: (laughs) so so um so Berg, what's your what what what's what's your book, book jacket opinion
1: my my book jacket opinion is is uh, it's a fun time um, <laughs> ish because dot 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 fun I did have fun with it it could be a slog at a lot of points compared to the first one but when you do get into it I mean I did finish it in under a week for a reason like it wasn't I was trying to it wasn't I didn't ever feel like I was forcing myself like and I never felt like it was like a, a book I had to I was assigned to read like the scarlet letter which that book can go f itself um <laughs> you heard it that's my that's my dust cover quote for that book um uh, but no I like I enjoyed it like I was in it even when it was a slog I was like I know we're getting we're going to get somewhere with this so I, I mean I it's, it's worth a read if you read the first one definitely read it make your own opinions I think all, we've all made some valid points today but I think we've all shown that it's, it's a book that can still be enjoyed and yeah, have some
2: fun with it. Acclaimed storyteller John Justice of the Embark series said, that <laughs> <"Matt." laughs> Ready Player Two is a fun follow-up that doesn't have the magic of the first.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, there you go. yeah that, that'll work. I, I also would like to point out to everyone, just so, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to ease the brakes a little bit on the hate train, to an extent, but we all did read this book in a staggeringly quick amount of time, so I guess, yes. I mean, even though we're sitting here ragging on it, we still all blew through this book in no time, so yes, take that as as it is. Also, I would like to change mine to acclaimed fan of the Embark Saga, <laughs> Justin Singer says. <laughs> Just to get you that extra plug, sir.
2: You're giving me a big head zinger. Knock it off. I'll okay. Try
0: to, try to be grounded. <laughs> oh, but um, but no. Like, like I said, it, it is what it is. Um, I, I enjoyed getting to have this discussion and getting some of these opinions out because, like I said, after I was done with this book, I'm like, I need to talk to somebody quickly. So yeah. I'm, I'm glad I, I, I got it out of my system and everything. But um, but John, I, we we've already plugged you. But go ahead. Where can people find more from you?
2: Yeah, just head on over to mynerdworld.net. My, world, uh, .net. Uh, my uh, the the podcast that I do, the Star Wars uh, podcast that I do, are there, and of course the uh, the Embark Science Fiction Space Opera series is available. And sign up for the newsletter. Uh, I'm actually getting. I'm actually in the process of um, writing up the newsletter right now. Um, I've got four books. I've had three books out, and I actually have four books planned uh, for next year. So um, a lot of uh, a lot of embark stuff uh, heading uh, heading out there. So I hope people can go and check it out. And, and they're fun diversions from this world that we live in, and that's why I uh, I write them for me. But I write them in hopes that people can uh, take their mind off of everything and go on some fun science fiction adventures. So head on over to MyNerdWorld.net dot or uh, follow me on uh, Twitter at John J O N Justice.
0: Awesome, thank you. Um, Berg, where can people find more from you?
1: You can find me online in the Oasis at. Uh, at Eric Berg and at BacklogBerg. And you can find my my Berg planet in the Oasis that is filled with um, Nintendo. a lot of Nintendo and uh, Kira Toriyama and Godzilla references. Perfect. Nice. Um,
0: you, you can, of course, find Zingus on in the Oasis wherever you find uh, terrible planets that are very mismanaged and horrible to be on. Um, no, uh, you, you can find Zygnus wherever you find great podcasts. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. And, of course, uh, there's the Facebook group as well. So join up on those. And of course, we're back every week with more nerdy topics. But before we go, uh, John, quick, um, quick, like one, one sentence answer. Mandalorian, good, bad this week?
2: Oh, I loved it. I thought it was great.
0: Awesome, yeah, perfect! I, I can't wait yeah, till no, I have no, to no. talk to Zach later and have him say, "Oh, actually, I know he loves it." So I, I don't have to go into that one.
2: I'm glad. I'm glad we got some mythology to chew on, man. I'm, 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 I'm excited for these last couple of episodes.
0: It's gonna yeah, be yeah. good. On that note, um, we'll see you guys next week with some other nerdy topic. Yeah.
3: to a fourth-hand joint.